buttery nipples. And that's what we had. Yes, which uh, led me down the path of uh, asking Shane the query, um, have we talked recently about the time that we stayed up all night during Mardi Gras and ended up drinking in the morning with people whose lives had been ruined by alcohol? Ruined by alcohol, yeah. <laughs> well, first off, let me say I brought in um, four pre-mixed shots of buttery nipples to, to share with everyone, but only three have been consumed because somebody's the, the Grinch. Well, I, would, I wouldn't say a Grinch. He just knows that... Maybe buttery nipples are not the greatest idea for him. No, not especially they're, they're, pre-packaged uh, buttery you, nipples. I just had my ass handed to me. All right, by all right. All two right. small children. So fine, fine, fine. Pick your battles. I don't, I don't think anybody. I don't think anybody looks at the package of pre-mixed buttery nipples and thinks it's it's going to be a good idea. A great yeah. idea. No, nobody <laughs> says, "Hey, on the other side of this, I'm really looking forward to whatever that is." Yeah. Well, um, so Ryan, yeah, we were at we were in New Orleans, sleeping in a van, sleeping in a van, where a number of us went. This is oh, as oh, one does. Yeah, we're <clears throat> probably eight of us backed into a van. Instead of getting a hotel room, we just got a parking spot in a garage, and all slept in a van. And so one night after we left um, Bourbon Street, it was four thirty or five in the morning. Ryan and I were walking back to the van, and one of the two of us had the brilliant idea. Like, you know, you can drink twenty four hours a day in New Orleans. We were like, no shit, let's go do that. And so we went to this bar that was right around the corner from where the van was parked. Everybody, what was everybody drinking? It was like Bush Tallboys. Bush Tallboys. It's the only thing that the bar sold. Oh they only God. sold Bush Tallboys. And so the bar was populated by people that were doing, like the beer order came in and some guy was like wheeling it in. They were all just doing favors for the to for be the, able to get their next beer. So they could get their next beer. Yeah. Oh and then we stumble out. I mean, we had a couple of Bush Tallboys and came out and it's daylight. That's a that's an unsettling feeling to leave a bar and it and and uh, when you go in and it's dark and you come out and it's daylighted instead of the other way around. I had a conversation with a friend of mine who was living in New Orleans at the time, and I was like, you know, the thing about New Orleans is, it's like we've all had that. You know, everybody's had that one experience where it's like you're standing in the middle of the street and you don't know where your friends are and the sun's coming up and there may or may not be a cab barreling down on you, and she's like. And it's a Monday. <laughs> so, yeah, that sounds like New Orleans. Yeah, but she, she would, that that girl was funny because she would just park her car downtown and then just forget where it was for a while. And I was like, that level of not giving a shit is amazing. Last time I was there, I I went out with I played a gig and then I went out with the drummer from the from uh, the band that we played with, um, and I who I had known before then. And and the last thing I remember, we're in a bar where there were no lights just candles and the next thing i remember i'm sitting in the courtyard of a no bullshit castle and it's noon that's new orleans that sounds yeah. about right well and i will say this is a tacky story but i'll tell the nicest version of it i can which is to say that when i was about the same age that you guys were and tripped out to new orleans with a with a buddy of mine it's the only time in my life I, i'm not somebody who um i don't particularly I don't frequent uh, strip bars. Strip clubs? Yeah. Adam, I know that's where you were going. Yeah. So, but anyway, but there are a lot of them in New Orleans, and, and you know, I was probably 19 or whatever. So, buddy of mine and I go in there, and it's the only time in my life that I have ever seen a performer, we'll call her, um, do her dance, and then put a robe on, and then go solicit tips. That's, that's the kind of joint we were dealing with that night. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. She was well, like, she was like, I, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to try. This that could hard. get worse, yeah. <laughs> or you could. I I can just leave the robe on, and you could cash out. Well, it's Mardi Gras tomorrow, everybody. So that's that's why we were just going to 
tell a couple of tribute stories to. Uh, oh, I have to, one more. Oh, please do. Uh, we all have one more. Uh, New Orleans. Uh, Ryan, I've, got, uh, I've got another one too, but uh, uh, like uh, we one, can of my, all night. one of my favorite, one of my favorite Mardi Gras stories is uh, my brother and I have a buddy named Bankston who won Mardi Gras, uh, put on a Nixon mask, and ran around running into people, bumping into them on purpose, going, pardon me, pardon, pardon me. me. Pardon me. Yeah. Pardon me. <laughs> you know, when yeah. you said he won Mardi Gras, I, in my head, it was W-O-N. Like, well, he he, one year he won Mardi he won Gras. Mardi Gras. Well, he, yeah, he kind of. He probably felt that way. Anyway, yeah, no, it's uh yeah, I keep thinking of new uh New Orleans or old New Orleans stories, but we'll we'll never get out of here. Yeah, if we, we keep on going. Yeah, let's yeah. let's let's That's get, a different podcast. <laughs> let's get into the show now. I'm Shane. I'm Ryan. Kevin here. And Mark. Yeah, somebody likes it. So last night, uh, they, they, there was the uh, Saturday Night Live 40th anniversary. Three and a half hour. Extravaganza. Um, yeah. high, mixed reviews on my part, but the highs were pretty high. It was, it was pretty entertaining. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the whole thing. I watched it all. But the thing that I wanted to talk about today was um, Kanye West's performance last night. Um, are you guys with me here? Did anybody... I think I, I, think I you, fast forwarded Did you fast forward it over it? Yeah, okay. yeah I, I saw a little bit of that... Uh, I wasn't exactly sure. I actually didn't get in on the very beginning of it. I got in early in the song, and I was like, what the hell is wrong with this camera angle? Yeah. Well, the song was great. Like, I loved the song. Um, but he was laying on his back and, and had a mic, like, positioned above him and did the song laying on his back. And there were guests also that were running to the song that laid on their back. So he was basically laying on his back, and then there was, like, a white, like, screen behind him like oh just a one like white light and like a microphone and like he's like just on his back rapping the song song was great just could not walk it made me roll my eyes the whole time like come on like we were, we were talking last week about lady gaga with a meat dress and stuff and like it just dude you don't need he's any an eccentric dude he's I a know. weird motherfucker but it's so gimmicky like i felt like i was like you know with all your success it's a shame they can't get you a whole studio like <laughs> he just has to record in this like flat like a deprivation changer chamber or whatever the hell that was like uh, like a coffin he's, he's of, forced yeah. to lay on his back it's like a light coffin it, it you know it just it sometimes you know the the guy genuinely creates brilliant music um, I think he's by far the most interesting thing in happening in mainstream hip hop these days, and that's and that's been going on for a little while now. But then all the fucking circus outside of it's just so bizarre. Like we were talking about him coming, getting on stage during Beck's award, you know, at the Grammys, and and uh, like he's just a he's an odd, and he's married to Kim Kardashian. Yeah, <clears throat> you know. Okay, this week's album, Kevin, you picked it. Yeah, get us uh, in there. We're going to talk about the. Uh, you know, it was funny because I mentioned this the tail end of last week's show that uh, that 
I thought it'd be fun for us to cover the Modern Lovers record. And so, of course, somebody looks it up and says, oh, there are like four or five Modern Lovers records. Well, yeah, I guess technically that's true. But really, there's one. But not really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was and, Jonathan. And, uh, Mich- and, and, yeah, you were right. I'm glad that's that you like, bring it up because I was going to apologize to you tonight. Uh, that's okay. But I didn't remember who said it. So I just sort of uh, universally. Producer over there. Okay, yes. Yeah. yes. So, th- so there is one original Modern Lovers yeah, and it's full of it's full of drama and intrigue and people that didn't get along and then went on to do well, other things. It was recorded in like things. 1972, but wasn't released until 1976. Yeah, one and, and yeah. he one didn't want it released in 71, and then he decided he wanted to be more calm. We'll get into all that, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so we're going to talk about the Modern Lovers. Okay. Well, Jonathan Richmond. Yeah, I, I I didn't have any. I mean, I heard about the Modern Lovers. Um, I had no. I definitely had never heard them before, or at least this incarnation of... Because there was the Modern Lovers, the original thing, and then there was Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers, totally different band, like kind of a revolving door cast of characters. Sure. Um, the, pretty much all I knew about um, the Modern Lovers was Jonathan Richmond's very twee, mid-90s musical output. Like when he was like in... There's something about deal Mary. with Mary or whatever the fuck that Mary. movie was yeah, called. Yeah. Deal with Mary. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> what's, what's the deal with that girl? With what's her name? Yeah. And, yeah, that that one. And uh, and like you know this that shit. It was like him and a drummer or something. Like and it's just yeah, he's like a troubadour in a tree or something. Yeah, but I mean, but that was his stage act at the time too. Like it was the the, the, the what was in the, that movie that was like his thing. That's what he did. It wasn't like created for the movie. It was like him and a drummer. And it was like, and really? see, that's the first time I had ever heard of Jonathan Richmond. Was that movie? Yeah. What's the deal with that but chick? Saying that, I mean, I I knew about Pablo Picasso when I was in high school. Not, yeah, not, I mean, everybody artist, does. He's a pretty famous but, painter, dude. Yeah, but like, uh, but the song Pablo Picasso, and I I had heard that in high school. So, uh, but I never knew there was any connection there. Yeah, I always thought the story behind this album was really fascinating, and just the fact that you know that. It's the drummer from the Cars, and it's yeah, uh, yeah, Jerry from the Talking Heads, and uh, you know, and the fact of the matter is, is like the the zeitgeist of this band was like they couldn't they couldn't get along enough to like. And here was the other thing that I thought was really fascinating is they they like part of this record is actually comprised of of two separate demo sessions, one both for major labels. And so these guys had come out of Boston, and I don't know if it was just a, you know, it, it kind of makes, is one of those deals where it makes you feel like, oh, well, there just weren't as many bands, and certainly weren't as many good ones, so everybody, come on down to the major studio, and we'll just record some Yeah, stuff. that was, re- oh, yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> I, I, what did, they did three demos? Oh, no, 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 they ended up doing more than that, too, and one of the producers, yeah. I guess it says on the Wikipedia page, like, uh, one of the producers came in, the sessions were shitty. And then they had him back to do another session. Like I don't know about like, you guys. Oh yeah, yeah. This and this it sucked last time. Yeah, let's but just let's give it another try. Yeah. And, it, and it's you know it's not, it's not like oh you do your demo on your four track in your garage. It's like oh come in, we'll have John Cale produce your demo. Well, and he was the one who took the first crack at it. And I think a lot of the ones that end up on this record that are from those John Cale sessions are the songs that like Pablo Picasso that I really think are endemic of what I what I dig about this this album and and this band. But um, but there's also some stuff from the other from the other producer whose name currently escapes me. But he's a little bit you know everybody at this time all of these guys were obsessed with the Velvet Underground. 
Okay. Yeah, so, well, like, I know. Can can is there? Well, and I never. Is, I, I didn't even look anything up about this uh, record uh, on Wikipedia or anything until today. I've been listening to it like all week, and I was like, man, these guys sure do like Velvet Underground. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, I, I, they were. It was in real time. They were liking Velvet Underground when not everybody was liking Velvet Underground. Sure, sure. So the first notes that I that I took, um, definite Velvet Underground influence, uh, proto punk, and then. That's like yeah. The, if you take like the velvet underground, add in like a dash of the Doors here, and maybe here, some like Iggy and the Stooges. Here's the description and, of of the band on Wikipedia: The sound of the band owes a great deal to the influence of Velvet Underground, and is now sometimes classed as proto punk. So yeah, me and Wikipedia we're, we're kind of well, we're on it, the same of the same mind yeah, on this going one. Going a step further, I mean, one of the things that that gets called in for one of the one of the pieces that I read. Um, this is a little blurb from Sputnik Music. Mentioned that Jonathan Richmond was essentially obsessed with the sound of Velvet Underground to the extent that after graduating high school, he moved from Boston to New York and slept on. I don't know how this, like, they leave out some details, and, like, but ended up sleeping on the sofa of Velvet Underground's manager, Steve Sesnick. Yeah, uh, I'd, li- like, I'd like to know. <laughs> like, there's know like, how boom, you get from point A there, to point B. Exactly. But, I mean, like, you have to. You know, you've got to be dogged enough to get over there. He had apparently. some moxie. Yeah, he was just a kid's baldy, got moxie. He was a ballsy mm-hmm. teenager at a time when New York was pretty damn dangerous, and you know, you had to get in there and mix it up a little I, bit. I just can, can we all admit, or can we like, let's just all agree on this that could there be a more fitting producer for their music than John Cale? Oh like, no, yeah, no. of course, like. That's, that's sort of if you if you have some kid out there that their favorite band is the Smiths and they ended up having you know Johnny Marr produce the record or some shit like that, like, yeah. it's pretty good. Pretty yeah, good stuff. It's a, it's a good fit. You, you know what? Why don't we listen to a, to a song? I think let's do and, Ro- and we'll, let's do Roadrunner because I I have listened to this song so many times this week and, really I still, and I still can't get enough of it. And Roadrunner is the one that gets uh, gets has been uh, covered. It, more it's often sort of than the, the single, I guess, if there is one. Yeah, this is definitely an you know there there are singles albums and there are album albums, and this is definitely an album album. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. But we'll, we'll talk all about that. Let's do, listen to Roadrunner first. One, two, three, four, five, six. So, a couple of interesting things. Uh, one is that this album was out of print for 20 years. Like, 20 years. That, to me, is... Like I did not of, realize that. Really? Well, maybe crazy. that's why I never heard it before. Well, maybe. Yes, it was hiding from you. But but beyond that... I think the other, <laughs> Thanks. The, the other thing that, that like kind of puts the time uh, period in, in perspective is that the Sex Pistols covered that song. They Roll did? Order? Yeah. Yeah, they certainly did. I didn't they did. know that was was it. It wasn't on. Never mind the Bullocks, was it? No, no. Right. Uh, I think it was released. It was released on a on a compilation. No, that, that was the shit they did in the nineties. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's what it was. Yeah, the, the Great, great Rock and Roll Swindle. Swindle. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah, they covered it, and some others have too, but I was like, well, my, well, that band hasn't been a band in ages, and that band is always a band that's sort of held up as a, you know, a pillar that inf- – they that band influenced uh, Chit Joy Division. So like, oh, you can you know, hear that, like, yeah. It's a, it's a crazy little musical Tumblr world. That band basically sounds like Austin, Texas in 1995 well, to me. I actually knew three of the songs off this record just because I used to hang out at uh, Casino downtown, Casino El Camino, and they just have a really good jukebox, and people would play these. And I, I don't think I'd ever heard it. Even one of these, I mean, I'm sure I'd heard that song before. Yeah. But, uh, but associated with another band because not only do they sound like the Velvet Underground, but they, there's a lot of the songs on this record sound a lot like the Stooges to me. Um, yeah, yeah that's, that's, that. that's sure. To me, yeah, it was Velvet Underground, Stooges, and The Doors, weirdly. Um, that's the key, key stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 You know what? That. I can kind of see that because he's kind of got yeah, a sing song thing with the way that he sings. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I will say this like, I, as much as I like I liked this record quite a bit, um, and part of the reason – I know a lot of times I'll, I have a lot to say about people when the song – there's not a, very, a lot of variation in tempos, and, and, there's, and there's not in this record. We went from like last week with the, the Kings where there's a lot of variation throughout the record, and there's not in this record, but it doesn't matter. I mean, the whole record is cohesive, and it sounds great. I could do without all the fucking soloing, though. Like each – like a lot sure. of these songs could be trimmed down by about a minute. And they're not full-on – Jam bandy. No, 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 no. Like, it's yeah. like cacophony. Yeah. You know? Well, right. I, I, I also think it's a really solid record, but I kind of want to like, like grab Jonathan Richmond. And granted, this is going back to 1972 when I was an infant. Um, but grab him and go like, get a hold of yourself, man. You'll find a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be fine, dude. Well, I always think that that's one of. The, I mean, one of the you know one of the reviews that I uh, had a, got a kick out of going through was a guy who writes to the Guardian. In the UK, and was talking about you know they just I guess they did a, a few segments a few years ago where several of these music writers for the Guardian uh, just talked about an album that was their favorite, and that one of these guys wrote about this record, and uh, he said that beyond it, well actually beyond everything else he said, the thing that really sort of helped him fall in love with it was that it's funny. Like there are parts of this record that are funny, not the least of which is uh, that the sort of contrarian position that Jonathan Richmond takes where he like, you know, talks about liking the old people and hanging out with his parents and like uh, yeah, his, his girlfriend didn't get that. I like, love that he uh, like, like he, he, his hair is cut really short, you know, like, I mean, it's, there's a, you know, at the time, like, Nobody was cutting their hair short, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's crazy to me that this music was made in 1972, by the way. And I, I pulled this up um, because I, I wanted to, I wanted to, just talk about how different this was than what was being um, put out oh, during that yeah. period of time. Absolutely. So I pulled up the the top 100 songs of 1972 is according to billboard magazine and i'd like to read a couple of them to you Please and i do. did and i did and this record came out in 76 and i'd like to do the same thing and what'd you say i said read them all yeah, all 100 gonna, of them i'm not gonna yeah. read all 100 but 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 we're, we're, we're i'll read a few and and and, and, we'll and you'll quickly Andy see how yeah. different this band was than what was popular oh, in 72 sure. yeah. but then i'm gonna read 76 also because or a few of them because um it came out in 76 and let me just tell you this about 1976 worlds away from 72 also worlds away from this record yeah, so sure. so these are the let's see like the top 15 songs from 1972 you'll know a lot of them the first time ever i saw your face 
by Roberta Flack. Number one. Highest Fist is totally like that. Yeah. Uh, second, Alone Again Naturally, which is a great song. But uh, number three. Sh- Shane loves that song. Yeah, by it's way, actually. one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Um, mm. But it is really kitschy and definitely sound. Well, for sure. Yeah. It's the most depressing song ever recorded. It's the most depressing song ever recorded. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, okay, number three, American Pie, Don McLean. Number four, uh, Without that- You, Harry Nelson. Number five. The number five song, highest starting song in uh, in 1972, "The Candyman" by Sammy Davis Jr. Awesome, nice. Why? Who? That was in the 70s. Like, don't you think <laughs> of us? Like, like lot, lot long before that. Okay, I got gotcha you by Joe Tex. Lean on me, Bill Weathers. Baby, don't get hooked hooked on me, Mac Davis. Brand new key, Melanie. Daddy, don't walk. Don't you walk so fast by Wayne Newton. Let's stay together, Al Green. Good song. Brandy, you're a fine girl. Looking glass. Um, anyway, let's go down a little bit further down. My Dingaling, Chuck Berry. Good nice. God. Again, who knew that came out in 1972? <laughs> uh, and uh, Oh, and number 16, If Loving You Is Wrong, I Don't Want to Be Right. Doing. Which one of the interesting things about that by Luther Ingram, one of the interesting things about that song is you usually see a parenthetical after the initial statement, but yeah. that one has a parenthetical before. If Parenthetically, If Loving You Is Wrong. Oh, so the song is called I Don't Want to Be Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. But but the way that it's the way it's it's yeah. I don't want to be right is after, the, the, but on the title it's if loving you get it so is wrong. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. anyway, I, I think you, I think you've got it. Yeah, yeah. you understand yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, so in 1976, um, again, big change, like sea change in music, but again, nothing to do with the sound. The first was "Silly Love Songs" by Wings. Don't go breaking my heart. We all know that. "Disco Lady" by Johnny Tyler, Taylor. Uh, Play That Funky Music by Wild Cherry. Kiss and Say Goodbye. Paul Simon, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Uh, Walter song. Murphy and the Big Apple Man with a fifth of Beethoven. We all know that. Anyway, oh, uh, Afternoon Delight by Starland Vocal Band. Skipping around a little bit. Barry Manilow, I write the songs. So you guys can see what I'm saying here. <laughs> Where the fuck did these guys come from? And it, it, Because punk hadn't happened Boston. yet. <laughs> yeah, thanks, you idiot. <laughs> The, the <laughs> punk hadn't happened yet. There was no indie rock. There wasn't, you know, there was, there was like. No, this is like proto indie. There was the Velvet Underground. Yeah. But the Velvet Underground is fascinating in and of itself um, just because if you look at like what was really big, when you know, the Grateful Dead and Jefferson Airplane and, and then there's a fucking Velvet Underground. What the fuck? Where did that come from? And this is a similar kind of thing. Uh, yeah, Andy Warhol, I guess. Like, Velvet Underground oh, was sort sure. of a, a byproduct of the factory. Uh, yeah, or, yeah or I, 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 I'm yes. well familiar with their origin story, Ryan. I'm talking about like the, <laughs> the, the I'm talking about the musical culture that was predominant in that period of time. Let's have a music trivia nerd off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. like yeah, but, but, like so you're gonna start here like so you can, yeah, we're so bonking each other on the head. I, I think that you can safely make the argument that the contrarian like like I think we're all in agreement like this is a pretty contrarian record for of its time. Like, it didn't sound like a lot of other stuff, except for maybe derivative of or influenced by or inspired by the Velvet Underground, which in itself was also doing a different thing that was intentionally, yeah. like, like intending to be out of left field, like like Warhol. And yet, you know, sort of, he had his own, like, if we t- sort of take that full circle, he took things that were of pop culture and, then, and made them art. 
They well, were, so they were doing a little bit of that too. I mean, that's an interesting thing about, and just talk, talk about the factory for a second. One of the most fascinating things is about, I mean, there's so much that's fascinating about Andy Warhol to me, but co-opting popular culture and turning it on its head just by, I mean, it's just, a, it's a very insidious the, what he was doing. But then also giving, allowing and encouraging uh, artistic and musical and, you know, all the other stuff um, they were putting on pr- productions and stuff, it, you know, within uh, Man, those movies are hard to watch. Though. Yeah, it, I was gonna say. <laughs> I don't know if we've ever tried sleep to sit through one. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to watch a three-hour movie about a dude asleep? Is it? Is there really a three-act structure? No. <laughs> I mean, but, oh, there, but, there, but there was an encouragement of uh, uh, a, a, a lot of push and pull um, with the um, with the with the dominant, uh, not musical paradigm, but just entertainment paradigm structure and stuff at the time. Um, within that, and that dude was really a lot of the reason why um, that was allowed to foster. Give it, it, it was the soil that the seeds were planted in to give That's birth. A good way to put it. Yeah. To this, yeah. he he fostered an environment that you know kind of encouraged uh, a left field brand of creativity. Well, and it's interesting because you had that stuff going on. You had that stuff going on in California where you had like, you know, the precursor to that would have been King, King Kesey with the Merry Pranksters in the late 50s, early 60s. Um, but the, the, the difference is... Um, drug culture? Oh, no, no the, the, dr- <laughs> the drugs. Yeah. Like you had a heroin on one hand and you sure. had LSD and, and weed and mushrooms on the other hand. Cocaine. Yeah, but, but <clears throat> you, I mean, the, but the, I think the, the big, I see a lot more of um, it. It seems to not if not that it was more structured in the factory, definitely not. But uh, there was more of a hierarchical structure, and it encouraged over a period of time a lot more. And of course, a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this. Um, a lot more creativity, I think, at the end of the day. At the very least, I think the thing that's difficult to argue with is that here's a situation where this this band and anybody that was sort of running in the and when I say this band, I mean like the modern lovers as as influenced by and in, and in turn connected to some of the moving parts from the velvet underground you know you have these guys that are sort of they're they're definitely sort of positioning themselves as counterculture but they also have great resources and that great artistic resources so it allows you kind of the freedom at least the way that i see it to go out and do something with confidence that doesn't sound like anything else except yep. maybe your friends that that's a really good way to that's a really interesting yeah that thanks good job this sure. guy over here you hey find me while I drop this mic anyway so the I guess the other thing is that um, you know I I think for me the the track that I always connected with the most on this record was uh, Pablo Picasso and well who apparently was according to Jonathan Jonathan Richmond. Uh, was never called an asshole, <laughs> but I have a hard time believing that. I have a hard time <laughs> believing that too. And maybe, maybe just not in a in a language that he spoke. Well, and this well, is another, yeah. it's another okay. one of those songs where he's he's talking about like like Jonathan Richmond throughout this record keeps talking about how much he wants to like pick up a girl, and apparently Pablo Picasso in Jonathan Richmond's eyes anyway. Like could just pick up women left and right and never be called an asshole for it. Well, I think after the facts, like well, you know, but uh, not. Why don't we get into Jonathan Richmond's take on this and let's do that. Some people try to pick up girls and get called assholes. This never happened to 
Pablo Picasso He could walk down your street Girls could not resist the stare And so Pablo Picasso Was never called an asshole Okay, so wait, wait, wait! Before you do that, can I just say, can I just say, oh, Mark's ready to go whenever whoever ready to go. <laughs> so just just before we started recording again, Mark said, "I'm ready to go when whenever whoever I'm ready to go whenever whoever is ready to go. I'm ready to go." And then he also and, said, and, and then he "Here's said, how you can say asshole in any language." <laughs> I'm ready to go wherever whoever is ready to go. I'm ready to go. Yeah. At any rate, uh, bless the internet for for it is solving all of our questions. How do you say how do you say asshole in French? Is that, isn't that what you were using it for? Um, yeah, I was going to look that up. Give me. Oh, a he was worried so, about about looking up French asshole. There, there's a lot of languages in here. <laughs> so here's so here's here's so the it'll question. be uh, Maudit Vash. Ah, Gazunite. <laughs> so oh, we got the, the borscht belt dad comedian. <laughs> I, I love how there's there's Quebec. take my wife. Fran- Francais Quebec is Stephen Harper. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. So, what was the movie? Does anybody remember what the movie was? Uh, <laughs> What's where, the deal with? Stay with me. me. Stay with me. What was the movie where uh, where Emilio Estevez and maybe Charlie Sheen was in? I don't know. Uh, were they Men were at trash, work? trash collectors? Men at work. This song is in wait, that Wait, 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 wait. I totally <laughs> guessed it. I was right. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Anyway. All right. You, you had me at Emilio Estevez. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something along those lines. I huh? was like, but it was one of those deals where it was like, I was like, I had I had already come into contact with that song and I had, had just seen, caught a bit or piece of that movie. And, uh, and I was uh-huh. like, oh, hey, that was during the early days of cable when they would show anything. Anyway, unlike uh, now, no. This was always my this is always my favorite song in this record, and and uh, just not. I mean, part of it was just because you know when I was younger, they were you know, they were just like taking the word asshole and putting it out there. And Pablo Picasso did have a surly reputation, so it was like I was like I find pretty again, like, sure he has been called an asshole. And can I just point this out? Yeah. It's a mere technicality, but really, Picasso and asshole don't actually rhyme, and he treats them as if they do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, um, you know, it's proto-punk. They're it's not true. playing by yeah, your rules. Yeah. Hey, man, really, I don't, I don't I have really to use your rules, man. I really think you're picking at it here. This, it's true. Th- this song is slightly frightening to me. I had not heard it before, at least to my record. I'm not sure I have, but um, it's slightly frightening yet, to me. And you know men at work. Yes, I the do. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you know, growing up in a small town, we had a movie theater with three screens and only one movie theater, and that was one of the movies that played. There you go. One time, so yeah. did um, you pay money to go sit in the theater and I watch think, that? No, Nathan and I used to go on, like on Tuesdays for Dollar Night, so I think we went and saw it like Dollar Night. But but I might I may not have because I don't remember it. I just remember the poster. Cinema. 
So anyway, um, this song is slightly frightening to me lyrically because it really sounds like a manifesto of like a frustrated – like if the internet were out – if the internet were out, like it, it was just re- – if the internet were out back in 72. Damn, the internet went out. <laughs> Somebody plug it the, back in. If, if, the inter- if the internet were around in 72, this guy might have channeled his frustrations into eventually going and – on a college campus with a pistol or something uh, like my, no girls well, like me his, or his yeah. real that's the thing no like, no it's a, I, know, I, know I know what you're, you're saying but that's kind of what it sounds like well there, there's an overarching motif with this entire record is that he does kind of seem like a lonely pathetic dude he's and this definitely is, bitter in this song yeah. yeah yeah it's bitter and that's that that's the, I, I guess that's the that's what, what i'm touching on like I, like it was a joke to say like it, it's lyrically frightening but it is true like a lot of times you read you get to read a lot on the internet about guys that can't get girlfriends and they're very bitter or can't get a look from a but girl they're very bitter there, about it is there a funnier more yeah like more line full of swagger than the girls would turn the color of the avocado when he would drive down the street in his Eldorado. In his Eldorado, that, yes. Like that, that shit like is Pablo Picasso driving Every around time, in like a like, half truck, half car hybrid. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it totally like in that sense. Like, Wait, that's an El Camino. Camino, is it? Yes, yes. Yeah. His <laughs> black and white striped shirt yeah. and his beret. Exactly. So it I just, mean, it kind of paints the picture. It just, I just kept going back to that uh, John Lovitz SNL sketch where he's like just being a real prick in like a cafe in Paris and like paying for his drinks with cocktail napkins just where he'd sign his name. He's like, here's your kid's college education. <laughs> I didn't see that, but that's it's pretty great. That's pretty great, yeah. Uh, speaking of pretty great, um, we're going to go to the intermission now, and Ryan, I've, I've been assured A few minutes that, with? Yes, a, a few, few minutes, minutes with. with. And... Um, and I've, we, we've all been assured that, that Ryan picked this week, and we'll talk about it in a minute, but we've all been assured that it's it, worth watching. It is many good times. Shane is drinking a beer that tastes like a fart. You don't it know that it tastes like a fart. Like a you said it smelled like a fart. Well, that's well. Mark was making a frowny face i i thought there was a skunk outside the garage door it was quite skunky the german skunk. in any case uh we are going to uh cover a um intriguing to say the least video uh by mr uh billy squire and can i say something like just just like for whatever reason like it seems to be common knowledge that this guy's career Ended up falling on hard times at least in part because of what we're about to witness this video this yeah. is supposedly yeah, where I mean, the, you, you I, mentioned last week that he he considers this, this to be the downfall of his career. Uh, this particular video, anyway. Yeah, so I'm, I'm I saw it years ago. I have not seen it in a long, long. long I didn't time. see it at the time when it came yeah. out, or I don't remember it. Uh, but I did see it like four or five years ago. Um, there was a like digital uh, music channel, Awesome Music Network, and it was just came on, and I was blown away. I just have um, to. Did this come out any time around uh, when Miami Vice was popular? Oh, I think definitely. Okay. You'll see a lot of day, seeing, you'll see a I'm lot of Dayglow pastel, but like we'll we'll get into that. But we, we we will be talking about Rock Me Tonight by Billy Squire. So let's take a look at it, and uh, we'll see you on the other end.
Mr. Squire. Whoa. <laughs> that, that was an this is This is one of these cases where this podcast just fails the audience completely. Just, well, let us just uh, well, it, recommend that you go check that video out. Like, now, do it now. Yeah. Go to At YouTube. Least, Rock oh, Me Tonight by Billy Squire. We'll, we'll, be, we'll still be here. Go ahead. Unlike uh, when we listen to Ronnie James Dio's 50s doo-wop band, you can actually watch this video. And, and as well, you should. Everybody should. It's mandatory. It, it should be man. This you should have. You should have this video and the journey video for uh, um, separate ways, where they're all playing. Oh, they're all like, like, like huddled up. They're all huddled up, but they're all like the guys playing air keyboards. Air one guy's playing air drums. Well, it's, yes, <laughs> and so yeah, Billy Squire air guitars to his own song. That's right. But in a very effete way. Too. Yeah. Very effete. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I would like to see this video. Not only be the downfall of his career, but the resurgence of his career. Let's uh, let's make that. I happen. think it probably does have a cult following because I I kind of love it in a. You kind of love it. It's like I whoa, mean, whoa, 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 whoa. you need to take the words "kind of" and remove them. <laughs> well, I, I love it in a and this. I love it in a way that I cannot put into words. It feels yeah. like there's a certain mm. amount of rubbernecking that goes on with this. Video. Well, no, like, it's, it's, it's watching away, a but... it's watching a car crash. Yeah. What you're it's what you're watching. So let me just spell it out a little bit. He wakes up in his bed in his like weird loft that has like Exposed industrial equipment, industrial equipment like uh, <laughs> multicolored satin sheets. Yeah, and then he um, he proceeds to. Um, Put on his own song, and then um, he dances, and he sort of air drums like, and air guitars his way through it. But mostly, it's sort of like, like really very effeminate prancing. That's what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah. He's, he's like, it's like effeminate prancing and uh, some ki- little some little kicks and lots of like um, jazz handy stuff going on. I mean, it's like he wandered off he, the he, set he, of a chorus line. Part <laughs> of it is like he's a little bit like a hyperactive kid with a sparkler. Like there's just a and and three quarters of the way. Well, and he air guitars and he air mics too. Like yeah, like singing along with it. Three quarters of the way through the video, somebody finally gives this guy a guitar, and he's and he's still doing the same stupid stuff with his legs. And all you can see if you watch the video is everything that he did before he had the guitar. Because his legs are still running around like they're out of control, and, and somehow he has, the rest of his body. And, and somehow it makes more sense, though. When once you put a guitar in his hand, it's like, oh, he's just a musician. That's well, right. But that, if I'm if I'm Billy Squire, I go back and look at that video before it gets released to the public, and I'm like, well, let's just move that part with the guitar up to the front. <laughs> well, and here's the well, and if, if the whole video had been like that portion of the video like like we wouldn't be talking about it right no, now of course no not. we'd just be it, talking about the drummer with the exceptionally high the unreasonably symbols. high, unreasonably high, high symbol for oh no no, no but it's not not just the unreasonably high symbols also if you guys remember the drummer is also playing footsie with billy squire 
Like there's a long drawn out thing where they, they like are kicking at each other. And there's inter- a, there's a homoerotic motif throughout. There is that a video. homoerotic <laughs> motif all throughout the video. Doesn't he tear off one of his own concert shirts? He, he, he tears off one of his own shirts. He's wearing, yeah, he's wearing his own swag. And then yeah. and then it fades to black and comes back, and uh, he's wearing a new shirt. Um, yeah, because he ripped the old one. He ripped the old so one off himself. To the new shirt. He yeah. ripped it off himself while he's laying down. There- there is some undulating. Yeah, I believe undulating. he was undulating yeah, at, yeah. at the moment. So we had we had a little uh, mini discussion about the stroke because he was like, "Oh, this." Because I actually do think it's a decent song. Like, it's Rock not Nintendo. just a decent song. I think it's probably one of the better songs. I don't remember the song at all. Um, I did remember the video, but not not as well as I do. We'll never forget it again. But this song is pretty goddamn. It sounds like kind of a Def Leppard. Mid tempo, mid eighties, you know, light metal, metal song. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I mean, a great chorus, like really, and actually tastefully done. Like the the guitar lick is is mm-hmm. is really. There's no there's no solo in it, really. Like no you know screeching. No, it's a it's just a good mid tempo. Uh, so you you mentioned that um, you thought it was better than the Stroke, and I really like considerably. That song, and Mark Mark does too. I really um, like that. I, but I, prefer, I like the uh, I, Lonely Is the Night. Okay, so we've all got our, our favorite in the Squire canon. I, um, I, I can't stand the song The Stroke. I like the idea I, of I it. I do like it, but what I wanted to bring up is that it was one of the very first videos I ever saw on MTV. Like, we got we got cable in what, like 81, Long something like time, that? Yeah, when it first came yeah. out. Yeah. And all I could think of, I was, just, I would have been like, TV. I would have been like, like, one like eight or nine. Uh, <laughs> it was just you. a cable. You just exactly. stuck it in your yeah. mouth. It actually was our, our remote wasn't even a remote. It was connected to the like cable box, yeah. and it had you know like punch little buttons. It had and like stuff. one button on. Yeah. It. yeah. Anyway, but I do remember watching the video for the stroke, and it was a concert video, and I just kept going like, man, that guy really looks like he has to pee. And I think that's just how he dances. Like he he like, like brings his like, knees well, like up. Like Kevin said, he's like a like a hyperactive. Toddler or something. Seriously, just about. Yeah. It, well, maybe that's so. just his thing, but, you know, it looks less dorky when he's on stage doing it with musicians around him than no, when he doesn't. he's prancing well, slight, around. It. Slightly less. I'll give you yeah. that. Can I, can I ask you a question? Do you like The Stroke as a song, or do you like it because it ties you to uh, a more a simpler time in your life when you had a mullet and a Camaro that you could just drive out to the lake and like turn up your tape deck really loud um, with, you with your buddies and yes, yes on both counts. I genuinely like that song. Yeah. To, I think you like to it to the point where uh, when Eminem you like used like a giant sample from that on a song recently and uh, played on Saturday Night Live and. I was like, oh, yeah, I fucking love this song. And it's just because I, I genuinely well, and that's like a, that song. That's, that, that's the thing I think we can agree about is that, that uh, in his heyday, Billy Squire was a, like wrote really catchy light metal pop songs that were like they felt like they had a little bit of an edge. And if you weren't hearing anything else that sounded exactly like that, living in the burbs, like mm-hmm. it, it was pretty it was pretty engaging stuff. That said, don't dance like that. Like that's all. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> ill-advised. Uh, management failed him. <laughs> well, I would I like. The, I love that the um, that uh, the the version of this that we just watched. Um, at some point, like just a few seconds into the video, it, it like the letter, like the words come up, like what the song is, who the artist is, and directed by. Oh, I. You know, like Kenny Ortega. Kenny Ortega. And, and, and I was just thinking, like, man, I don't know if you want to take a credit on this one, man. That's and, like that's, Alan Smithy. So, <laughs> like, and so yeah, so if you if you're wondering and if you haven't seen it, and like you're gonna just listen to the, you're gonna truck on through the rest of the podcast. More to you, brother. Uh, <laughs> beyond what, that, what do you? What the fuck? Stay you with me. Beyond that. 
if you what did if you, you just, if you're if you're watching the video or if you haven't seen the video and you're and you want to know what the dancing looks like, it basically looks like it's like kind of like his. There's a hinge on the outside of both side of his knees, and he just <laughs> and his legs kick out to the side, his, and his at the same flip and at the same time he's. He's snapping like a madman. Yeah, and so, it, so it, he it, might be having a seizure. Me, I might be. Yes. It reminded <clears throat> me not of not of the dance scene from Footloose, uh, but of the uh, the one dance scene in Footloose. <laughs> well, the, the, the sorry the, the 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 running around dancing scene in Footloose. Oh yeah, where he jumps out the then, end of the thing. It was and, then yeah. um, parodied by Flight of the Concords. That's what it reminds me of. The, Flight of the Concords parody of the Footloose. Well, no, this seems like a parody of himself. Had the video ended with an ambulance showing up, then everybody could have said, "Oh, he oh, needs that medical makes treatment. sense." Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. clearly it, it, he's having an episode. And when you and when, but when you say parody, like, or, or I mean, if it were, and I'm I'm positive it's not, but if it were satire or a parody. The people that were listening to Billy Squire in 1985, they were not going to be loving this. We're not. No, 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 no. <clears throat> they, they, they don't. I'm pretty sure they don't have a grasp on parody or satire. It, in, in their Camaro not, with their mullets down and they by probably the probably also lake. weren't listening to Kenny Loggins. And looking at it through the modern day lens, though, like, good lord. I mean, okay, it's so it's fun. It's this, fun to watch. This kind of, if this is who I think, if it's the same. This is great audio, Shane. No, 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 no. I'm just. It looks like he's a choreographer. Who? Kenny Ortega? Kenny Ortega. Or he so, was. So yeah. He actually Kenny, did Kenny, the listen, dance Kenny, here. hold on. Kenny Ortega is a director and a choreographer, and he choreographed, among other notable releases, Xanadu. That sounds uh, about right. Okay. Sounds yeah. about right with what we know. Uh, also, Dirty Dancing. Um, and to Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. It's all coming more into focus. It's uh, coming sharper Hold into on. focus. Hold on. High School Musical choreographer and director. Oh. High School Musical 2 and 3. Hannah Montana and Miley Cyrus. Um, it's all... The thing that really is, is getting me here, though, is that the idea that this was at, in any way choreographed. Well, this is kind of just how Billy Squire dances because he does it in other videos however like who of you pointed out like you know you just want to like hear the offstage direction yeah like, i oh, wanted yeah. to hear yeah. you ortega like more effeminate more snapping prancing, yeah, exactly. yes That's a sort of more prancing <laughs> get those knees up higher buddy and like if you're if you're looking for like a storyline you're watching the video like where is he going he's not going anywhere he's just snapping around he's the house. some dude getting oh, ready to go out dancing to the music on his way it, to get wait a second exactly. there's another room and his band is in there <laughs> right. oh yeah yeah, oh, yeah. They just yeah that, that's, his, that's his pre-show warm <laughs> unreasonably high warm-up. symbols because remember he just woke oh. up Hey fellas! <laughs> yeah, I love how he also he just woke up. Yeah, and his hair yeah, was like throws and, on his jammies and <laughs> prances around. Prances his, around the room. Oh yeah, like well, oh, know, look my band oh my here. band! I better go play. Somebody the show. get me my Mine. guitar. That's why they call them jammies. Oh, uh, Jesus! Christ. And on that note, <laughs> let's go talk about let's, modern. Let's lovers. talk a little more about modern lovers. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, um, this song was his highest-charting U.S. single 
Um, but then immediately after the video came out, people started ticket sales took a nosedive. He never recovered. Yeah. That's what happened. And well, okay, and so he then, fired his managers. And so. then and then uh, and then we we go back to talking about a band that actually wasn't technically together. Uh, like it, well, certainly in at, the incarnation that that this record was put together in. By if the you time look at, that at their page, at, uh, the Modern Love page, it, like how many band members were in this thing? I mean, basically, it's Jonathan Richmond and like people, fifteen other people who well, sure. drifted in and out at various times. Yeah, and it became like the Modern Lovers became a, a sort of a backing band slash side project for for Jonathan Richmond. But it, that's one of the reasons why. And yeah, I mean, beyond the fact that this this first record is terrific, and the guys who left the band. Several of them, or a couple of them at least, went on to do some things that were really, really interesting. The cars, talking heads, yep. what have you. Yeah, what have you. Um, the what have you is my favorite. I love <laughs> what have you. What have you, yeah. what have you uh, is a singular uh, con- conceit. Anyway, I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, the point being... Um, Shit, I'm glad that you finally admitted that. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, anyway, Shane, you're uh, drinking a beer that tastes like a fart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it actually tastes pretty good. And and yeah, wearing a toque at the same time. So and even, and even if it did taste like a fart, I wouldn't fucking admit it to you. I'd continue to drink it, but it doesn't. <laughs> Just to spite me. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well. Uh, well. Yeah, so we, I, I think the other the, the other thing that I I found particularly interesting about this record is uh, we talked a little bit. We've talked quite a bit about some of the contrarian stances that are taken by by the band. Just from. You know, Shane ran through the litany of the the acts that were showing up in the top twenty. You know, in in nineteen seventy two and and yeah. yeah, in that in that area, and then again in nineteen seventy six. And like, sure, it's easy to, to draw that parallel, but when you when you sort of dive down to the fact that he was going like so contrarian to the point where, uh, you know, where he was talking about like just uh, like I don't like. And it wasn't necessarily he didn't refer to, and this is just a, like a terminology difference, but um, he didn't refer to the difference between like like being not being on anything. Uh, what they like drugs? It, well, they call yeah, they or call like it, like well, a guest I, th- on I a think TV he's show. leading into the song we're going to talk about. Which, oh, okay, uh, I'm I, straight. Which if you read it now with today's mindset, you're like, well. Okay, dude, you don't have to tell me. Like, <laughs> yeah, we know you're <laughs> looking for chicks. You've, yeah, about this you've been lot, talking yeah. about it the whole record. Yeah. Like, but the nomenclature. But that's changed. not yeah. what he meant. Yeah, and and the thing the thing to me that that is really interesting to note uh, about that song in particular, among, among a few things, is that uh, and this kind of harkens back to the fact that these guys did, you know, they cut a they cut a demo for A and M Records. They cut a, a demo for what's the other was it Warner, Warner Brothers? Brothers? Yeah. And those were ended up; those ended up being cobbled together to form the first incarnation. Of do we do we know what label this came out on? Like, um, finally, did it, show it was up? a. It was like it's not Berkeley. It's uh, no, something it, uh, like it. It's it Berserkly. 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 In my mind, um, this record, even though it was out of print for twenty years, and even though it you know never initially really did anything, is so much more influential. To now, to, yeah. Well, now in in the nineties, and and mm-hmm. I mean, it's so much than than Roberta Flack. And, oh uh, yeah, that stuff was you know like uh, evaporated on impact, and this one has staying power. Yeah, yeah. There's some gravity to it. So the song we want to listen to, "I'm Straight," this was actually this was part of the Kim Fowley session, the 1973 
demo right. sessions. And this was not on the original 1976 release, but this was on the 86 reissue from Berserkly Records. So. All right, well, let's get into it. All right, here it is. Because here's your chance to make me feel awkward and wish that I had never even called up this place. I saw you, though, today walk by with hippie Johnny. I had to call up and say how I want to take his place. So this phone call today concerns hippie Johnny. He's always stoned. He's never straight. I saw you today, you know, walk by with hippie Johnny. Look, I had to call up and say I want to take his place. See, he's stoned. Hippie Johnny. Now get this, I'm straight. Crying out loud. Hippie Johnny. Hippie Johnny. Hippie Johnny. <laughs> like, and here's the thing. It's like, this is 2015. I don't know when the last time that anybody of us ran into a hippie. I don't, like... I run I mean, into... Even in Austin. I well, run into Shane a lot of Shane goes to the Kerbal Folk Festival oh, yearly, okay. and so he does run into hippies. I have a lot of hippie friends, but here's the deal, is that hip, like hippie, like a lot of the hippie stuff from 1972 has been absorbed into the greater culture, so nobody actually calls anybody hippie, hippie anymore. Hippie yeah. Ryan. Hippie yeah, Shane. Hippie it's, Ryan. it's just like... Hippie they, Johnny. They used to... Like, they used to I, don't you get the feeling like, like they used to say, like, oh, well, that's... That's Chinaman, blah blah blah, or that's black, <laughs> blah blah blah, or that's you know, like you see this in old like comedy movies. There, oh, like, yeah. that was. Oh look, it's Black Steve. Yeah, Black Steve, <laughs> Black Frank, or that was like these descriptor things. That but but it, it, yeah, hippie, hippie Johnny. Well, I will say this song um, does like adhere to the motif that uh, is throughout the record, in that he's kind of a pathetic like girl obsessed dude, and in this case, hippie Johnny. Apparently is dating the object of his affection, and his angle on it is that, hey man, that guy's stoned all the time, and I'm not. Yeah. So let's. But, I mean, but well, and and to to that end, he's like, well, why can't he do what he's? Yeah. What can't? Why can't he like do it on the level? It's like, but that's also the kind of thing that that like you know, it's the fist against the moon of a teenager. Is that an expression? And wait, 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 what did, what did, can you just repeat what you said? It is the fist against the moon of a teenager. That's, that's so, it so rolls off the tongue. It's, it's part of the popular No, it, it sounds like it should be a thing, but I don't think it's it is. fist against the moon of a teenager. Yeah. Did you just, yeah, I'm just riffing, I'm scatting, man. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. That's, that's some scat. That's some serious scat. A, it's I'm a fist against the moon I'm of a, a teenager. Teen. Let me take you under my wing and show you how it's my done. My brother William S. Burroughs over here. <laughs> I'm a I'm a dude in a giant puffy coat in a garage. That's, those those, those <laughs> things are true. Yeah. But, not, but, but that poem was not quite as inspired as the one that you had uh, introduced a moment ago. <laughs> yeah. Fist Against the Moon <laughs> yeah. of a Teenager. So I, I did look it I'm up. I'm calling my debut album Fist Against the Moon of a I, Teenager. I looked it up, and the only thing it says is that something that Kevin Newsom would say. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, there we go. Uh, oh, the, oh. So, so this guy, Hippie Johnny, reminds me of 
uh, you were saying Frank Mills. Frank Mills, which, which is, is the a last song, song on, on It's a Shame About Rave from the Lemonheads. Which, which is which a it, cover. Um, it comes from the musical Hair, apparently. I knew it was a cover, but I've never seen Hair. And you know why I've never seen Hair? Because fucking Meatloaf was originally in Hair. And anything that's associated with uh, that yeah. motherfucker. You mean I haven't hippie seen Meatloaf? Hippie Meatloaf before he... <laughs> Before he became <laughs> meaty meatloaf or whatever, Is he, he's gluten free meatloaf. He's now. a beefy dude. I'll, <laughs> I'll just say that. Anyway, yeah. So this is this is another one of the this is one of the songs on the record that is very much about, you know, uh, to Ryan's point, it's about a guy uh, longing after a girl that he can't have, but it's also about, you know, it's also about that whole like sort of contrarian stance that he took at. During a time when nobody was standing that way, which is like, hey, I like my parents. Hey, I like I'm, old I'm not people. Gonna, I'm not. Yeah. I like old I'm people. not getting stoned. I'm not getting stoned. <laughs> so yeah, so it stands to reason that he had some time to write songs. Dude, probably like at the time was a very insufferable person to be around. I suspect. Uh, uh, I suspect Jonathan Richmond was sometimes called an asshole. No way. Yes, yes, I would as well. There's there there's a reason why the motherfucker wasn't getting laid at the time. I uh, yes. Uh, I I mean, well, okay. So I have this ex girlfriend who was like, I'm so tired. She dated a lot of like English major types, like kind of nerdy intellectuals, and she was like, I'm so tired of guys who feel like getting a girlfriend will like save them. And I never really knew what she meant, but when I listen to this record, I feel like he's who she was talking about. Yeah, I I would always well. That's, that's another interesting. thing. You know, like like uh, like all I need to do to fix my life is get this girl because that's all he wants to talk about in the, the record. And the record's great, but it is kind of a one note, like uh, lyrically. Uh, it's almost like it's the, the the fist to the moon. It's kind of like a teenager girl. Moon of a teenager, yeah, yeah. <laughs> teenage girl. Just, I, why can't you guys see the image that I'm talking about? I can't, and my brain is is feverishly working. I, I literally, like, I, all I, I I immediately just came up with like that, the poster from like uh, uh, what was the movie with with um, Tatum O'Neill and Ryan O'Neill, um, oh, Paper Moon, uh, Paper Moon. Yeah, I just ha- that's all. Like, no, and then the fist in the middle like, of it. It's but like I sort of so you take the mashup idea of. Barking at the moon, and then you take the angle. Wait, wait, we're starting with an Ozzy Osbourne song? Are we going back to Ozzy Osbourne? Okay, wait, wait, so wait, no, do tell, because I'm... And then you, you, god damn it, man, once, once in my life, I'm going to complete a thought on this podcast, so... I can't wait to see where it goes. Yeah, so so you you take the uh, the general, the cliche of barking at the moon, and you couple that with the teenager's angst... And and them raising a fist in the night in eighties cliche Billy Squire style if it weren't so feet <laughs> and make it into a thing like that's that's kind of where I was going. You've made I'm that totally into a thing, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I I kind of now have a, a a different mashup in my brain. Now it's like the Paper Moon, and then it's like a Che Guevara poster. A little, yeah. Okay, now we're on the same page. Hey, so um, Kevin, this. This album's great. This is one of definitely one of like you're we're, we're, you're 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 picking some good ones these days. You guys need to continue to pick good ones because because you pick pieces of shit. I got, no, 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 no. I've been picking good ones too, but I've I've got some stuff coming down the tracks. That I'm never not, gonna forgive you for Bon Jovi. Oh, but, you're never gonna forgive me for uh, for for some stuff I've got I've got planned. All right. Um. So um. Let's uh. We're let's getting into a current, um, affair. a current affair. Yeah, we're going to listen to a song that came out in the last 12 months. So we'll, we'll see you on the other side. Yeah. 
What killed Karen Carpenter was a combination of medications. The Karen Carpenter cover-up. Hello, everyone. I'm Maureen O'Boyle. Welcome to A Current Affair. interested to hear what you guys think about that song well the video and the song i'll, I'll tell you this like this is before and you guys neither we're of talking you, about tahiti 80 what's tahiti, the name of the song? tahiti 80 crush is the crush. i'm sorry i forgot we didn't we didn't say before we have not teased we have this. not teased this song uh it's a song by tahiti 80 which is french pop band um that i've liked for some period of time that i didn't think made music anymore and then i got turned on to this song and i was like this song is amazing who is this otahiti 80 who Which knew i haven't even thought of since the jesus how long ago was it 2001 2002 like, yeah it was on my ago. birthday we yeah. kevin and i saw both tahiti 80 and the band travis travis i we, we all went night. to that travis show actually that's um, right and then you guys and darren murphy i don't know if darren murphy went with you oh by the way darren murphy uh, Austin, brilliant musician, is going to be on the show in a couple weeks. So. Pop savant, yes, yes he is a he pop, pop savant. savant. Um, I love how Kevin and I like. There's, there's just we're just nodding yeah, together. Yeah, like, that's what yep, he is. That's what he is. <laughs> yeah. um, you guys went around the corner. We we saw Travis play in this you know a- outdoor amphitheater, and then right around the corner is a a long beloved, relatively recently departed uh, punk yeah, sweaty punk club emos and uh, Tahiti eighty played there. So. Um, we we go way back with this band, but I knew that that nobody knew that this band was putting out music still. Oh, no, I and, thought they were long broken up. Yeah, well, they're still on the same major label. That's the amazing. They had to have been selling lots of records in, in the, somewhere. Yeah, not in the states. So, well, and mm-hmm. one of the things that I remember about this band was that they uh, just from original an original write up that that popped up around the time that we probably went to go see that show low so many years ago was that many many of them went to um i want to say that this was the angle like this was the the angle in the piece which was that many of the guys in this band either they met or they or it turns out that they all went to like the american university in paris or they went to like they sort of they they essentially studied to try and try and uh they were all interested in in American culture or sound, Americana, sounding more, you know, like mastering English or whatever. Hence, and they, they sing and in they English. sound they sing in English, but they sound totally French. 
Yeah. And so that's always been one of the things that I've, like, and frankly, the songs are, are great and fun and accessible, and so I've always been a sucker for these guys. I, I like that they have uh, taken a page out of the the famous Billy Squire book of how not to make a music video. Uh, no, we, yeah, we will we will get to not. that in a minute, but be, but before we before we do, uh, not that this video in any way touches on it does not it, it gets it nowhere near that in common with well, uh, that's Rocky what I was trying to say. Well, there's yeah. nothing. There's yeah, yeah 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 yeah. But it is yeah. So the song I think, and I'm a fan of this band. I think that that this is the best song I've ever heard them put out personally. I love this song. I think it's a perfect. It makes me feel like Loveful. Um, get in and get out. And, oh, uh, the cardigans. Yeah, in three yeah. minutes. Perfect, perfect song from start to finish. What That's is, how I, I don't like it as much as that, but I think it's a. a I didn't say I liked song. it as much as Loveful. Loveful yeah. is a perfect song. I said yeah. it's in that vein, but it's it's that kind of it's a it's a it's a amazing pop song. I think no. that it very much feels like it is of this band. Like this is very like this is very much in their wheelhouse, mm-hmm. and they make. They make sunny, like really great sunny pop songs. This is totally one of those. Um, I, you know, I am, a, I am, maybe it, this may just be, it's totally probably my own bias. I'm just such a sucker for some of the original stuff that they put out because it sounds like they're finding their way and at the same time putting out these pop gems that this sounds a little bit more polished. So yeah, like, and yeah, so like, you're right. And yeah. I see that, and that's partially why you're right. When you said finding their way, I think that's a, a really astute assessment of what so was going on. So that video is all digital, right? It, um, except for the chick. I mean, like she's in digital clothing. Yeah. Well, I just, like really early on, there's like a mechanical owl in it. So I kept, got this Clash of the Titans thing in my head. <laughs> yeah, I got some of that too. Yeah, that that wouldn't really go away, but like it I mean, none of the rest of the video is like that, but it, there's a mechanical owl in it. And so Well, no, the rest of the video there's like little it looks like metropolis, like there's like gold mouthless I kept going flying back to men. I kept going to Flash Gordon and Yeah, the Flash Gordon. Yeah, there's it's it's um it's a little excess. Yeah, there's somebody made a Dune reference during the. Was that you, it, Mark? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. one of it's those. It's pretty French. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm gonna say, safe way. <laughs> I don't particularly like this video. I love the song. Um, I don't really need to see the. Video. It's the exact contrast of the video that I picked last time we did this for our inaugural. Um, uh, uh, current affair uh, that um, bridges that that video which. Upon repeated viewings, so much more. Yeah, it pays so off more depth. And, like, and, yeah. and, and it, but it seems to be very simple, and the more you watch it, the more it comes out. I would out. say that this video distracts from the song. Yeah, probably. yeah. I mean, and, there, but there, and there's nothing, there's no, there's no ultimate. Like, you, you could have a, it doesn't have to have a message to it. God knows it could be, it, it could just be, this just doesn't, there's nothing, it's like Michael Bay moonlighting. There's no there there. Well, and, and There's no po- there there. My it depends point- on what your <laughs> definition of is is. Yeah. But my I think my point right. of the video, too, what, what our, where I was going with it was that the band has nothing really to do with this video other than providing the music at that point. I mean, yeah, they handed it off to somebody who um, hit a bunch of keys on a computer. But I right. don't care. But that, uh, that's, uh, the, the, you can do that all the time. I mean, like, that, that's not what, I mean, for me personally. What, I mean, we can't all be Kenny Ortega. Yeah, yeah. We? yeah. <laughs> but I mean, but it, it, I mean, I, I I think I see where you're going with that. But I like for me personally, like watching this video, it's just um, it's just a bunch of flashy, splashy images 
with nothing that's in- actually interesting in them. You know what I mean? Yes, but I guess I guess my real point is that you could make a dozen or even more videos to this song, and the song would still be as good as it is. Yeah, no, this song is amazing. I mean, it's a great song. Oh, getting back to what you were saying a second ago, though, you were saying like in, in their older stuff where it feels like they're finding their way and this is more polished. That's kind of why it's more, a little more interesting to me. They're, they're sort of like these kind of gopher-broke, ballsy decisions. Like we were talking about this, it kind of sounds like the whole song was like like somebody took the master tapes and left them in the sun to warp slightly. I mean, that's really interesting to that, me. That is interesting. Um, and, and then it's well, just, and the vocals are slightly off-key. They uh, are, but the rest of the song kind of has this whole warbly thing going on to it, too. What are we doing next week, kids? Um, so, well, you have next week's. Okay, so we may or may not have Chris Cox on next week? Yeah, so that's going to be... Let's just operate like we're not, but okay, if he well is, then, then okay. he is. Uh, you he know what? Let's see. This is how it's going to go. Remind... Uh, and though they're coming to coming to us through the website, so they may have every idea who Chris is... Tell tell the audience. Chris Cox and Brian Salisbury uh, are essentially like the big. The well, Lord I don't want to. I don't want Michaels of the website. Yeah, let's just say that they're the Lauren Michaels of this website. Yeah, that's that's a good way to say it. And so Chris is going to be coming on the show um, soon. And if you guys haven't gotten a chance to check out Highly Suspect Reviews, that's uh, one of their shows on um, on the site. And then there's a couple other ones that people just. You know, it's incestuous. There are I guess. various podcasts on the site. Yes, and, yeah, um, and, the, and Chris's the, one is is highly specific. Highly specific. It's one of them. And then there's yes. the the original gentleman. Um, but anyway, so he we are going to review uh, Goo by Sonic Youth, he, which he picked for for us when to do. he shows up. When he shows up. So yeah. if he shows up next week, that's what we'll talk about. If he doesn't, every week until he does, we'll say we're going to do Goo next week or. Or a surprise. Or no, yeah. no, no. That's right. Sorry, Matt Damon. We had to bump you. Yeah. Um, so if he's not on next week, we're gonna do Ryan. Uh, Blood on the Tracks by Bob Dylan, which I'm super excited. Sounds great. I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> you guys do. Fist a, against wait, the moon. Why don't the three of you get in your clown car and take that fucking act on the road, please? <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> because forty five minutes of that coming to your the- town tonight. <laughs> Well, I think Where Kevin actually from? saw Bob Dylan play, and he played the entire show with his back to the audience. Oh, well, that's amazing. Because he doesn't uh, owe you anything anymore. Yeah. Fuck you, man. <laughs> okay, yeah. All right, kids. We got to get out of here. All right. Well, um, yeah. Until we'll, we'll next week. I'll see you guys in seven days, right? <laughs>